Hey, what's up, folks? This is Tony Brewer. You're listening to Cogitations. Cogitations is the podcast where we think about things, we contemplate them, we turn them over in our minds, and then we discuss them. Daniel chapter 7, verse 28, Daniel writes, Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me. My countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. Now, we're not going to keep the matter in our heart. We're going to talk about it. And today we're going to talk about this phrase, much wine, that is used in the Bible. It is a very, very hot topic of debate, talking about the Christian and drinking alcoholic beverage. And I have I've not changed my view over the years, but I have changed the way that I speak and teach about this. So I used to go to Ephesians 5.18, and I would hang... I would, I would, I would hang there. I would clamp onto that like a pit bulldog, like a snapping turtle that's never heard a thunderstorm. I mean, that's where I would stay. I don't know that that's the be all end all that I have, or the be all end all argument that I thought it was. I'm a very big fan of one and done arguments. If you're going to prove a proposition, if you're going to support a proposition, go ahead and start with the best argument that you possibly can, because if people can't deal with that one, then that's that's just it. And if somebody turns it on its ear, then that means I have to go back to the drawing board and I have to reassess my position. Now, it's not the case that my argument was turned on its ear and I went and reassessed my position and I said, well, I think that a Christian can drink beverage alcohol for entertainment or for social reasons and it's fine as long as you don't do it in it to excess that's not what i come up with i still believe that for a christian to imbibe beverage alcohol for anything other than medicinal purposes that that christian is in sin and needs to repent and change his actions that's not exactly what this podcast is about today this podcast is quite frankly my cogitations about a good friend of mine who sent me a message said, hey, I need to bounce this off of you about the phrase much wine. And we're going to go to my trusty, rusty e-sword. I'm going to walk you through um, kind of what I did on the phone whenever I was with him when we were texting back and forth. So the, well, before we get into our podcast, for those of you that are in the live stream, uh, consider commenting and share the live stream. Be the algorithm for us. Uh, Facebook, unless you're really, really big and spending a lot of money with them, Facebook doesn't promote your stuff very well. Um, th- just be the algorithm for us, and that will help us out greatly. And if you would be uh, one of my patrons at www.patreon.com forward slash near churches, then you can support me for as little as a dollar a month. And what I'm using that patronage for right now is paid advertisement for the Facebook page that in turn helps people get to know about my podcast and it actually drives my listening base up on my podcast. My goal is 3,000 downloads per month in 2023. I would like to hit that goal. We're already at 2,000. So all I need to do is what, grow by 33%? Eh, maybe, maybe we can do that. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, likewise, the deacons be grave, not double tongue, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre. And someone might say that 
you can be given to a little wine, just not much wine. So if you're a deacon, you can drink a little bit. You just can't take it to excess. And I suppose I need to finish my thought from the beginning about Ephesians 5.18. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Well, the idea of not being drunk with wine, that is a, a Greek word there that would be better translated intoxicated. Be not intoxicated with wine. So it is a sin to be intoxicated with wine. Now, how much toxin must you ingest in order to be considered intoxicated? Well, the fact of the matter is the amount doesn't matter because I'm envenomated whether a snake bites me and just puts a, 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 a centiliter, I think is the right term. Anyway, a little bitty, teeny, tiny amount of venom, I'm still envenomated. Or if I get bit by a seven-foot-long timber rattler that injects a tablespoon, I'm still envenomated. The amount doesn't matter. But I don't go there anymore. At least I don't start there. Um, because, quite frankly, the way you would break that down, the commandment is to be not drunk with wine. Be not intoxicated with wine. Well, it doesn't say anything about whiskey and beer. So then why do we, using our understanding of hermeneutics and how to interpret Scripture, why do we use that passage of Scripture to apply to um, other forms of alcohol when it is specifically and it, or it is explicitly, rather, specifying wine? So if, if, that's the only, if that's the only verse in the Bible I had about drinking alcohol, then I couldn't say to somebody who drank beer that, hey, you're in violations of Ephesians 5.18, because what's the rebuttal? Ephesians 5.18 doesn't have anything to do with beer. Oh, well, all right, so there's that. Like, what's the, what's the rebuttal to that then? I need to go to other scriptures, and I'm not going to do that for this podcast, but I will let you know that we have a commandment in the positive to be sober. And that's not talking about being sober-minded. That's being sober and everything that entails. Literally, the Greek word means don't be intoxicated with alcohol. Don't be intoxicated with wine. Don't be intoxicated with anything that's going to affect you mentally. You, we can do a deep dive on another podcast concerning that word, but just trust me, I've, I've done my research here. It can be used of being sober-minded, and it is you, the word is used that way in some passages, but there are passages of Scripture where it's all-encompassing. So on one hand, we have the positive command to be sober. On, on the other, we have the negative command to not be drunken to the point of excess not be intoxicated the way the Gentiles are intoxicated, where they have these drinking parties and stuff like that, and, and eating parties, as a matter of fact. And if you have a command in the positive to be sober and a command in the negative to not be drunk, how in the world can you say that sitting down with your buddies watching a football game and drinking a couple of beers is acceptable in the eyes of God? It is a violation of a clear-cut commandment. It's a transgression of the law. Sin is transgression of the law. 
1 John chapter 3, verse 4. So that, that, that's laid your groundwork there. Incidentally, if y'all comment, I don't think I can see it because I'm using my Mevo camera as a Mevo camera and I'm not using Restream. So anyway, so my friend um, called me and, or not called me, shoot me a, shot me a text message and wanted to know about this uh, much wine phrase in First uh, Timothy 3, 8. And I'm going to walk you through the steps that I went through to brush up on this because I hadn't thought about it in a while, but I wanted to send him back a, a response that let him know that I thought that that his text to me was important. All right, so I'm going to open it up. All right, not given to much. Here's my here's my response. What does that mean from the original language concerning not given to wine or not given to much wine as it relates to deacons and elders? All right, it's a good question. The point of contention usually mean is from the side, the verse in 1 Timothy 3, 8, or the, the phrase in 1 Timothy 3, 8, not given to much wine. My response is not given to what much wine is the same as not given to any wine. It's using the extreme to cover the total or, or all the bases is actually what I wrote, but probably a better way to write it is it's using the farthest extreme the 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 farthest graduation of those degrees to cover all of the degrees. It's much like James chapter one verse twenty one, wherefore lay apart all filthiness, and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. So I don't need to lay apart. All, any naughtiness, but the naughtiness which can be described with the superlative. In other words, if something is just a little naughty, I don't have to lay apart that. Just as long as it's not superlative, just as just as it's long as long as it's not the naughtiest of things, and that's what I wrote. It's the same as the above the superfluity of naughtiness. If we apply the same reasoning to the phrase superfluity of naughtiness that some do to much wine, then we would be teaching that we don't have to lay apart any but only that naughtiness which can be described with the superlative. Now, if you look at this, and, and I would say we, we know that that's not the case, you have, if you're going to repent of your sins and you're going to change your life, bring forth fruit, fruit, meat for repentance. If it can be described as naughty, the way the verse is used in James, then you got to lay it apart. It doesn't matter if it's the naughtiest. You have to lay a, you have to lay aside that which is naughty, that which is naughtier, and that which is naughtiest. Whenever you say you got to lay a, lay aside the naughtiest stuff, that means you got to lay a, lay lay aside all the stuff that is naughty. That's from zero to a hundred. I put forth to you that that's the same way with the deacons and wine. They're not given to much wine. That means they're not given to little wine either. And we'll talk about that in a moment. Acts chapter 26, verse 29. Listen to this. And Paul said, I would to God that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day were both almost and altogether as such as I am, except these bonds, 
The word here for all together in Acts chapter 26, verse 29, is the same word that's in 1 Timothy 3, 8, much. So this is a word that's from the least to the greatest. It's from the, the, the first degree to the nth degree. Because Paul says, I wish, I wish everybody was all together like me. I wish they were both almost and all together like me. There's another one. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, Blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. How much of God's mercy have we received? Well, we have received all of it. It's a complete gift. He was merciful to the nth degree. And how would you describe that? Well, in English, you might write the word abundant. In Greek, you would write the same word that Paul uses in 1 Timothy 3.8 when he says, likewise, you deacons must be grave, not double-tongued, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre. I don't know why the King James translated that word in Greek to much. Maybe it's because they had an agenda. I don't know. I'm just telling you what I've seen and, and what I've read, and it's very easy to find this stuff. Now, let's look at the definition for the word much. This word, and it's uh, polos, polos, or polos, and it's 365 times in the King James Bible. 210 times it's translated many. 73 times it's translated much. 62 times it's translated great. Greatly is four times. Long is four times. Let's read John 5, 6. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? Notice even there, the word long. Jesus knew that it had been a long time. The word long describes from the zero, from day zero, when he started being in that case, all the way to the present day. So it's, a, it's an adjective of totality. All right? It's an adjective of totality. And, and it's, it's got to be. There's no other way to interpret it. Now let's go back. Whoops. Hold on. I've lost it. Bear with me. Hit the wrong button. All right. So it's translated long four times. It's translated far three times. Straightly two times. Abundant one time, which is what I read for you. Altogether, uh, I read that for you as well. Abundant is 1 Peter 1, 3, and altogether is Acts 26, 29. And then, of course, in Mark, in Matthew, um, Mark, it translate, the word is translated common one time, oft, Matthew 9, 14. Let's see what that reads. Then came to him disciples of John, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast oft, but thy disciples fast not? 
All right, this is a very good one. This this really makes me kind of excited. Uh, I didn't I didn't read this before the show, but I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna let you listen to me process this. The Pharisees and the disciples of John fasted oft. Well, how oft done is oft? Well, it might only be once a year, which is the base minimum for the. Uh, the Jewish, um, the law of Moses. I'll get it out in a minute. But what if it's once a week? What if it's three times a week? What if it's three times a month? You see, we don't know. The word oft covers the first degree all the way to the nth degree. It covers the spectrum of oftenness in its totality. That's what this word is used for. So, and again, we're going to get right back to, because uh, we were almost through, and I, I figured if we're almost through, we might as well go through and, and read the rest of them. Um, off, it's oft in Matthew 9, 14. It's oftentimes in Luke 8, 29. It's plenteous in Matthew 9, 37, and sore in Mark 9, 26. Now, period. Let's, let's, let's talk about what the word means. Thayer in, in Esau is very, very succinct and to the point. It means many, much, or large. That really does a disservice because I guarantee you, if you had a hard copy of, of Thayer in your hand, you would have more than three words to describe this word polos or polus. So let's see what Strong says. Strong's is a little better here. Including the form from the alternate polos singular, which in any respect or plural, many, neuter, singular, as an adverb, largely, neuter, plural, as adverb or noun, often, mostly, largely, abundant, altogether, common, and far, great, and long, many, much, oft, uh, plenteous, Sore straightly, and of course, it, it gives you some words to compare it with. But but the idea there is, if you scratch the surface on this just a little bit, the deacons are not to be given to, and then the Holy Spirit uses a word here that is used to describe from the lowest degree to the nth degree. Now. That's a fact. That can't be argued with. We can debate the conclusion we draw from that. But what I just said is a fact and it can't be argued with. Well, here's my conclusion. Deacons are not supposed to be given to any amount of wine. Period. I don't see how you could see that any other way. Whenever the Bible says, Deacons must be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much. That, that word much means the lowest degree to the nth degree. And deacons are not to be given to any amount of wine that would fall on that spectrum. All right. And if, if you think that I'm wrong, give me a good reason while I'm, why, why I am wrong. All right. Now, remember, we haven't drawn a conclusion about what this means as far as whether or not the Christian can, be, can drink uh, beverage alcohol for pleasure and still be pleasing to God. Let's go up here to uh, where he gives 
um, where he gives instruction to the elders. Not given to wine, no striker, not greedy, a filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous. The argument is this. If you say that a Christian cannot drink any amount of beverage alcohol for social reasons, for pleasure, then you've got a problem with the instruction to deacons versus the instruction to elders. A deacon can't be given to much wine, and an elder just can't be given to wine, period. It's almost like that once a person becomes an elder, they can no longer drink wine at all, you know, alcoholic wine, but a deacon can drink a little alcoholic wine as, not, as long as it's not classified as much, which incidentally, this is extra. It's, it's, it's an aside. How much is much? Now, can a deacon be a deacon and still be and, and, and be given to much wine? The answer is no. If that is the case, then God is not just because nobody can quantify the difference between little and much because that's a matter of perspective. God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. And if it were the case that a deacon could have a little wine as long as he didn't have much wine, then how do you decide the difference between little and much? That's why it's very important to scratch the surface just a little bit and look at that word and understand that it is a, an adjective that describes the totality of the degrees. A deacon can't be given to much wine. That's all the way from, from the first degree to the nth degree. All right, now let's go back up to the First uh, Timothy 3, 3. This phrase in Greek, this, this phrase rather given to wine in English, is translated by one word in the Greek, and it is only found two times in the King James Bible, both of which have to do with elders. Given to wine, 1 Timothy 3.3, 3, which is where we just read, and Titus 1.7, for a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre. Para oinos. The preposition, the preposition, the prefix is para. That's a, that's a preposition of, it means side by side. It means beside, like a pair of para. And then oinos, which is the word for wine. And I have three different, Lexicons here on my uh, trusty, rusty e-sword, paraoinos, pertaining to wine, drunken, hence quarrelsome, insolent, overbearing. All right, that doesn't help me much, really. Strong says, uh, paraoinos, staying near wine, that is, tippling, a topper given to wine. Now, you know what I had to do? I had to highlight this word tippling. And I had to go, let's see, where's it at? I'm going to search it with Google because I want a definition. Tipple, it's a gerund or present participle is tippling to drink alcohol, especially habitually. So 
I don't get a whole lot of help from my trusty rusty e-sword here. Let's see what a topper is. All right, to um, topper. I'm going to search with Google again. A topper is someone who drinks alcoholic beverages a lot, a drunkard. All right. Well, if I am not applying very good ways of reasoning, if I look at this, what I might conclude is, well, if what I said in the beginning about giving to much wine is true, and that is a way of saying not given to any wine, in other words, from the first degree all the way to the nth degree, and deacons can't be given to much wine, then the elders, if I just apply what I've read here to uh, the elders and, and not think about what the Bible says as a whole, I might come to the conclusion that deacons can't have any wine, but elders can have a little wine as long as they're not quote-unquote drunken. Do you think that's the case? I don't think it is. Let me tell you why. We misdefine this term drunken. Whenever we think of drunken, we automatically think of somebody who has consumed beverage alcohol to the point where they are slurring their speech. They might be falling down drunk, quote-unquote drunk and they've lost control of their mental faculties. The problem is, I don't think that's the way this word is used. I think what it means is not given to wine, no striker, not, not uh, greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous, is elders just not supposed to drink wine like deacons. And we're talking about alcoholic wine. We would have to be talking about alcoholic wine. Because surely to goodness, Paul, the Holy Spirit through Paul, wouldn't be given the command or the prerequisite to deacons or to elders that they are not to be beside, they are not to imbibe any wine, including non-alcoholic wine, which, which that's how you would use that term back in the long ago. Because there wasn't a, like, we have, we have a dichotomy of terms, and, or, or two terms for this dichotomy of ideas, grape juice and alcoholic beverage we refer to as wine. That only came about in the last couple of hundred years. Man, a little bit more than that. I think in the set, late 1700s was the first time that this idea of wine is alcoholic grape juice and grape juice is non-alcoholic wine. But anyway, that's that may be a podcast for another time. But I'm, I'm trying, I hope you're getting something out of this because I'm trying to let you see how to reason through something like this. So remember, Scripture gives the command in the positive to be sober. That has to do with not letting your brain be addled by alcohol. The Scriptures give the command also in the negative to not be drunken. That means intoxicated with alcohol. Why in the world would I have prerequisites for being a deacon 
where Paul is very emphatic saying, don't be given to much wine. And he uses a word that means from zero to a hundred. Don't be given to this, any, any point along the road too much. So don't be given to much wine. Well, how much is much? Well, you've got a degree of zero to a hundred. You've got the first degree and the nth degree. Don't be given to wine that places you anywhere on that scale. All right, I can get I can get behind that. But then the elders just says, don't be given to wine. Folks, it's this it's it's just a different way of saying the same thing. And I'm okay with that. And let me tell you why I'm okay with that. Even if we want to have a debate exactly about why these two different ways of saying it was used is because this is to people wanting to be deacons and elders. Paul's not focused so much on the wine here. There are scriptures that tell us to be sober and scriptures that tell us not to be drunk. And I just shared on the Cogitations Facebook page, I think uh, it's something that I stole, 75 passages of scriptures that deal with alcoholic beverage. None of them, no place in the scriptures deal with alcoholic beverage in any kind of positive light. So with this 1 Peter 3, 3, I mean, 1 Timothy 3, 3 and 1 Timothy 3, 8, what you have, quite frankly, is a great big old nothing burger. It doesn't matter. I hope I've explained it well. I hope I've enlightened you some. But if you're going to the scriptures to try to figure out whether or not God is pleased with you, if you have a beer with the boys while you watch the Super Bowl, you ought to stay out of 1 Timothy and Titus anyway when it comes to the prerequisites for elders and deacons. You You need to induce the entirety of the body of our scripture to figure out exactly how God feels about it and see what he says. And if God hasn't given you permission to do it explicitly, then can you find implicit permission? And I put forth to you, if you only do whatever's in the Bible, you will not. And in fact, I can show you in Scripture where having a beer with your buddies on a a Monday night watching Monday night football or having a beer with your buddies watching a football game, I'm focused on football. It sounds like I don't like football, doesn't it? I have nothing against football, I promise. But I'm just trying to craft that scenario. You're in sin if you do that. If you drink alcohol for social reasons, anything other than medicinal. And drinking alcohol for medicine is is authorized in Scripture. Uh, we We can maybe have another podcast about that. If you got any questions about this, uh, send them to Cogitations Podcast. Um, follow Facebook. Uh, follow me on Facebook at Cogitations, the podcast uh, channel Facebook page. And if you send me a private message there, I'm way more likely to get it than if you send it anywhere else. So if you got any questions about this, let me know. If I've confused you and you're like, hey, Tony, I didn't understand a lick of what you said, I, I may cover this again. And uh, we may, we may, we may even talk about some of this on uh, on our Christianity Now podcast. So anyway, um, I hope I've said something that's enlightened you and informed you. Oh, there's a verse. I'm so sorry. Stay tuned. Just don't leave me yet. 
another um listen to this when it comes to to be by uh, be not given to much wine listen to uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 7 be not righteous over much neither make thyself over wise why shouldest thou destroy thyself be not over much wicked neither be thou foolish why shouldest thou die before thy time do you think that we can be a little bit wicked because the Bible here says, or do you think it's wise to be, I know this is the Old Testament, so this is not law for us, but this is wisdom literature. Do you think it would be wise to be a little wicked? You think it would be wise to be a little foolish? Well, of course not. Basically, what the what Solomon is saying here is don't be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. Don't be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good that you're no good here on this earth. So, oops, hold on. Yeah, be not righteous over much, neither make thyself over wise. Why shouldest thou destroy thyself? Be not over much wicked, neither be thou foolish. Why shouldest thou die before thy time? Basically, Solomon is saying, stay in your lane, keep your head down, and take care of business. Don't virtue signal. Don't, don't worry about being so pious and so virtuous that you take yourself out of this world and don't be so stinking and, and don't flout the rules and the way things are so much that you're so stinking wicked and a miscreant that that you're that extreme either. Just do what God tells you to do the way God tells you to do it is the idea. But we wouldn't we wouldn't conclude that we can be a little bit wicked or a little bit foolish and that would be okay. Just let's reason logically. Let's let's reason rightly, and just like the James chapter one, you know, we 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 got to lay up, lay apart all naughtiness, not just the superfluity of naughtiness, not just the most extreme naughtiness. Just remember, most of the time, with a little bit of digging, you can get to the bottom of something. And this phrase in First Timothy three eight, not given to much wine. Remember that adjective that's used there is an adjective that means the entirety of the spectrum all the way from very little to very much. And I used very. That's an adverb, by the way. It modifies the adjective. So that's all I've got. Folks, I thank you so much. This has been Tony Bruth Cogitations. Consider supporting me as a podcaster. The ways, the ways to do that will be in the show notes. Subscribe to the podcast channels wherever you listen to podcasts and share these things with your friends. Diana Merritt Harden, you're very welcome. It was my pleasure today. Thank you for those that tuned in live. And uh, again, this has been Tony Brewer with Cogitations, and we'll catch you on the flip side.